0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, Happy New Year! It's hard to believe it's like, wow, we're already into a new year. I love New Year's and new starts. It's kind of like the opportunity to kind of wipe the slate clean and get a new start on the new year. And this is what I'm convinced of, is that in 2018, God has great things for you. Amen? He has great things for us as a congregation. Matter of fact, I live with that conviction every day is this is that God is good and He wants to bring goodness to my life. Amen. You believe that? Turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, God is good and He wants to bring goodness your way. Amen. Proverbs thirteen twenty one, New Living Translation, makes this statement that trouble chases after the sinners, but blessing chase after the righteous. Isn't that exciting to think that the, that the king of the universe, the God who spoke this whole world into existence, the one who lacks in no way, is looking for men and women whose hearts are turned toward him that he might chase after them with his blessing. That's the goodness of God that we have to look forward to. Well, as we're coming into the new year, an activity that many people oftentimes embraces is the establishing of new year resolutions. Uh, just a interesting, I mean, how many of you... Had at least one, or maybe two, or maybe a half dozen New Year resolutions. Raise your hand, really quick. New Year resolutions. Yeah, I see some hands. It's so hard for me to see from up here. Um, Yeah, I think New Year resolutions are great. You know, we're going to stop some unhealthy habits. We're going to start some healthy habits. So it's a great activity to embrace if you follow through. The follow through becomes the challenge, right? Uh, Great intentions, but oftentimes we don't follow through. I was Doing some uh, research, reading online, and they actually, uh, there was this poll that was taken by YouGov that said 78% of Americans established New Year resolutions, which I, I thought was interesting, and they identified then the top 10 New Year resolutions. Any guesses at what made the top 10? Lose weight. Lose weight. What else? Stop shopping. Oh, stop smoking. I was thinking about my wife, but when I said stop shopping. I don't think she's in this service. I think she's coming to the next service, so I'm okay. So stop smoking, lose weight. What else? Exercise. Eat better. Save money. Always something about finding Let me give you the top ten. Number one is eat better. Number two is exercise. Number three is spend less money. Number four is self-care, like getting more sleep. Number five is read more books. Number six, learn a new skill. Number seven, get a new job. Number eight, make new friends. Number nine, get a new hobby. Number ten, focus more on appearance. But interesting... Not only in 2018, but if you look back over the years, usually always somewhere at the top of individuals' New Year resolutions is, is what? Get into shape. In the month of January, the gyms are packed. So whatever gym you go to, Planet Fitness or wherever you go, then you go in January, and how I many you know you can't even get on a machine, right? Go back in February. It's not a problem. <laughs> right? Well, we start out the gate really good, but it's that follow-through that's that's critical. But I think think this is great news. We should work hard at getting into shape physically and staying in shape. Your health is better, your life is better when you're in shape. So I encourage everyone, everyone here today, that you need to have some kind of exercise program. It probably wouldn't hurt if you cut out some of the Krispy Kreme donuts, right? Now, being in physical shape is, is really good. But of greater value than being in shape physically is being in shape spiritually. Just as we all need like a, a routine of physical exercise, even more so. Even more so we need a routine of spiritual exercise that helps us grow in our relationship with Christ. And that helps us grow in our faith life. And Paul emphasizes this for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 and this is the theme verse for our series for the next four weeks we're we're talking about this whole concept of of getting into shape how can we get into shape well notice what paul says here philippians 4 7 and it's on the screen so let's read it together and my hope is by the time we end this series and uh by the end of january that all of us are going to have this verse memorized so we're going to come back to this verse uh, every week, and we're going to say it together, but let's say it for the first time this morning. Would you read with me? Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So right out the gate, notice what Paul says, train yourself to be godly. And I did a little, a little digging into this word train in the, the Greek language in which the New Testament was originally writ, written in, the Greek word for train is gymnaso And we get our word, what, gym from that. We get our word gymnastics from that. But I thought it was interesting, and even for me a bet humorous, that the word gymnazo literally means, going back to the Greek, literally means to exercise naked. <laughs> now, I don't encourage you to do that literally, like go to... Planet Fitness and try to exercise naked. That would be embarrassing. Might get you in trouble. But I mean, that's the literal meaning of the word gymnasio. But as as Paul is using the word here, it means to embrace a vigorous process or routine that brings about development. That brings about growth. Well, he says what? To train, ourselves, to train ourselves to be godly. In other words, we need to consistently embrace a process, a routine that's helping us grow to become godly, or helping us become more like Christ. So the goal in life is a transformed life by the grace of God. So we're training ourselves to be godly. But notice, if, you look, if we get the verse back up there, if you, if you look on at the verse, he says, train yourself to be godly. And, and he says, for physical training is of some value. So I don't want to just skip over that, because some of you have been skipping over that. And you need to pay attention to that. He says it does have some value. So this is just a, a word of exhortation. Right now, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just look straight ahead. Some of you need to get into shape. Some of you need to take care of your physical body. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to steward well your physical health. And some of you have been neglecting that. And so, let me just very kindly and graciously and lovingly say, you need to get a plan. Because notice Paul says physical training is of some value. It has some benefit in your life. But notice he goes on to say, godliness has value for all things holding promise, both in the present life and the life to come. So, the here and now... And for all eternity, what spiritual training has great value. Notice he says, holding promise. How many of you know that a promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise? Right? If there's a politician who's running for an office and they're making you, he or she's making you all kinds of promises, how many of you know you're pretty skeptical, right? It's the politician making the promises. Or if it's Cousin Eddie, who's borrowed money from you six different times, never paid you back, and he comes and says, I promise you this time I'll do it. How many of you know you're skeptical? Why? Because it's Cousin Eddie, right? The, the promise is really only as good as the one making the promise. So let me ask you a question here. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8, who's making the promise? Let me ask it again. Who's making the promise? God's making the promise. God's saying if you train yourself to be godly, if you embrace a process, a routine, that's helping you mature in your life and in your faith, God says, I promise you, it's going to have value today. It's going to have value for tomorrow. And it's going to have value for all eternity. Wow. But the goodness of God... Coming, everyone. So, so how can we how can we train ourselves to be godly? How can we get into shape spiritually? I think the answer to that question is by is by implementing or embracing the spiritual disciplines. So, over the next next uh, four weeks, we're going to talk about eight different spiritual disciplines or eight different exercises, if you will, that we can implement in our lives to train ourselves because that's our goal to train ourselves to be godly. So what are spiritual disciplines? Spiritual disciplines are personal and corporate disciplines that promote spiritual growth and produce godliness in our lives. So spiritual disciplines are what? They're actions, they're exercises that we can put to work or that we can implement in our lives that, that opens our lives so that of God's transforming grace into the refining of the Holy Spirit. So they're means, they're tools. It's kind of like if you were going to Say if, if it was in your mind to say, hey, I'm going to get into shape physically, I'm going to go to the gym. If you go to the gym to get into shape physically, there's probably some different pieces of equipment that you would utilize, right? So let's just say for the sake of example, let's say it's cardio day. Uh, so it's cardio day, you go into the gym and you get on an elliptical trainer or a treadmill. Now, how many of you know the elliptical trainer or the treadmill cannot make you physically fit, Right? But it's the means, it's the tool that you're using to reach your goal. Because your goal is what? To be physically fit. To, be, to have your cardio healthy. So it's the tool you use to reach your goal. Listen, it's the same way with spiritual disciplines. What are they? They are tools, they are means, they are avenues through which we can train ourselves to be godly. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, which is a classic. If you want to go deeper, if you want to read more about the spiritual disciplines, I'll, I would highly recommend uh, Richard Foster's book. But he makes this statement in his book. Let me read just a couple sentences. He says, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving His grace. This discipline, The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that He can transform us. So, spiritual disciplines and us training ourselves to become godly is not just about working harder. It's not just about more self-effort. Okay, I'm I'm going to be more disciplined. Now, obviously, you have a role to play in the process. You're partnering with God in the process, but here's the good news, you have help in the process. You have a partner. Or if you can think of it like this, you have a personal trainer. You have a coach. Who's the coach? It's the Holy Spirit. So, spiritual disciplines are means... That I can embrace, that you can embrace, that positions me so that the Holy Spirit can refine in my life. Training me to be godly. It's the same for you. And that's the benefit, it's the necessity of the spiritual discipline. So today we want to talk about the first two spiritual disciplines. It's what I call the dynamic duo. Today we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Now, you can pray without fasting... But I would submit to you this morning that you cannot fast well without praying. And so we'll, we'll talk about those two together this morning. But the first discipline we want to talk about is the discipline of prayer. Colossians 4.2 says this, devote yourself to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, be joyful, always pray continually. In other words, pray without ceasing. So, so what is Prayer. Prayer in its simplest form is this. It's talking to God. It's communicating with God. Listen, don't make it difficult. Don't make it complicated because it's not. What's prayer? I'm having conversation with God. I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm listening to God. There's, there's inter- That's what prayer is. Now, Jesus, I think, is a great example for us as we think about prayer. So think about this. Jesus, the Son of God who was fully God, right? Are you with me? He was the Son of God and fully God, yet prayer was a priority in the life of Jesus. Numerous times in Scripture, the Bible says that Jesus got up early in the morning and He went out to a solitary place so He could have, what, conversation with His Father. It was a priority. So not only was prayer a priority for Jesus, but Jesus actually taught us how to pray. At one point, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And so then Jesus gave them a model prayer, recorded for us in Luke 11, as well in Matthew chapter 6. A model prayer as to how we should pray. So let's pray this prayer together this morning. Matthew chapter 6, it's on the screen. So let's, would you say this with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus made prayer a priority. Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus also expects us to pray. He expects us to pray. Now how do I know that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Notice what Jesus said. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but when you pray... Notice He didn't say, if you pray. That's not what He said. He says, when you pray. How many know the very structure of that sentence means this? Jesus expects us to pray. He says, when you pray, this this is how you should pray. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's unseen, then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So just as Jesus made prayer a priority, so so it should be a priority in our lives. Now, I think here's the exciting news. Is as we commit to the spiritual discipline of prayer, our lives are changed, situations change, and God reveals Himself. It happens when? When we pray. So prayer should not be like some optional activity, nor should nor should it just be like something we do on Sunday. Well, I, I pray on Sunday when I go to church, and I, I pray on Sunday. And I think that's great, but what about Monday? And what about Tuesday? And what about Wednesday? What about... Like every season of your life. we would Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.60 says pray continually. Now one of the things I try to do in my own life, and I don't always get this right every day, but, but I try to start my day with God. So I start my day in prayer. And then I take God with me throughout the day. So as I'm driving down the interstate 77, I pray a lot nowadays. <laughs> As I'm in my office, I pray. As I'm on my way to do a hospital visit, I pray. And it's not complicated. And it's not, you know, long paragraphs. I I just kind of have conversation with God. You know what? That's what prayer is. And as we pray, what our lives are transformed. Because prayer is the means for us to train ourselves to be godly. You know, if you think of prayer... It's critical for us for a number of number of reasons. I just want to give you three really quick. Prayer is the means of connecting in relationship with God. It's <laughs> communication, right? How do we grow in relationship? By having conversation, right? Like if I wanted if I wanted to get to know Tom better, then Tom and I would like maybe have coffee one day and we would just have conversation. And in that conversation, I would discover more about who Tom is, about his family, about his work, about different details of his life. What would happen in conversation, communication. So it's the same in our relationship with God. So prayer is the avenue that, that we connect in relationship with God. I think prayer is also the way we partner with God. So how do we partner with God? Because the Scripture says we're we're God's fellow workers or we're His co-laborers. So how do we partner with God? How do we know which step to take? What decision to make? It's through prayer. Not only is prayer the means that we can partner with God, but prayer is the avenue through which God's power is released. You want to experience more, more of God's power in your life? And I would encourage you to spend more time in prayer. It really is the way that we connect that we connect to the power source. So prayer, talking with God, is vital for our lives. It's vital in this training process as we're, as we're training ourselves to be godly. It's prayer that's shaping our lives. Mark Patterson, in one of his books, made this statement. I have the quote on the screen. This as I read this. He says, prayers are the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately this transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. I love that lesson. The transcript of your prayers becomes what? The script of your life. But so prayer is a discipline that we can embrace that trains us, that trains us to be godly. A second spiritual discipline that can help us to train ourselves to be godly is fasting. And we're beginning our, our new year with 21 days of fasting, and I hope that you will join us in some way in this spiritual adventure. Now, every year we start the year with a 21-day fast because I think it's a great way just to opening to open our lives individually and our in congr- our church family to God's blessing well, as, as as we fast. We set aside the first part of the year. Say, God, we want to seek you. We want to open our lives to you. Now, I know some of you have been here for a number of years and you're thinking, well, uh, fast 21 days. I did that last year. I check it off my list. I don't need to do it again. That's kind of like saying, well, I I had lunch yesterday. I probably won't have lunch for a week. Or I went to the bathroom yesterday. Okay, probably check that off my list. I won't need to do that for 10 days. It doesn't work that way, right? How many of you know there's there's some disciplines, there's some actions that we need to take in an ongoing way to be healthy? And I think it's the same as we think of the 21-day fast. It's an opportunity for us as a church family to say, God, we want to invite you in a dynamic way to encounter us, to transform us, to work in us and work through us in this coming year. So, so I hope you will... You'll join us in some way. You know, fasting is not just for the spiritually elite. Maybe you've always thought, well, you know, it's the really, it's the really like holy people that fast, or maybe you thought it's just the church leaders. It's the church leaders who fast. And I would say, no, fasting is a discipline for every Christ follower. If you're a follower of Christ, then there's a discipline called fasting, spiritual fasting, that you can embrace that will train you and godliness now to be honest this morning this is probably one of the most difficult of the disciplines to embrace fasting and and let me tell you why it's really simple this is why it's so hard for all of us is we all like to eat like right now as I'm preaching some of you are thinking about where you're going to go for lunch (laughs) I don't know if you realize this or not but we have conditioned ourselves And we're controlled by our appetites. We have this mentality of I've got to have three meals a day with two snacks in between or I'll dry up and blow away. And our appetites control us. So when we think about fasting, it gets real quiet. And not a lot of folks are interested because, wow, it's uncomfortable. And I would say, yes, it is. At times it's difficult. And I would say, yes, it is. We're dying to ourselves so that God can become greater in our lives. We're humbling ourselves, making way for God to work in a greater way. It's called training yourself to be godly. It's a discipline that we can embrace that makes way for the refining of the Holy Spirit. And see Jesus expected that we would fast. if you in Matthew chapter six, looking there to your notes, Verse 17, notice again, Jesus said kind of the same structure in Matthew 6, 6 about prayer. Jesus says, but when you fast, not if you fast, not if this is convenient, and you might find time in your schedule, but Jesus says, when you fast, this is how you should do it. Don't make a big deal, I love it, no, you're not doing it for show, you're not doing it to impress others. You're doing it to humble yourself before the Father. And when the Father sees what's done in secret, notice what Jesus says, He says, the Father will reward that. But he's rewarding the humbling of yourself through what? By by training you to training you to be godly. So so what exactly is fasting? Throughout scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Through fasting, we deny our physical need for food to open our lives in a greater way to God and to God's Word. Now, there's multiple ways that you can fast, and it's not my place to tell you how to fast. But let me just identify quickly three different types of fast. There's more than three, but for the sake of time, three different types of fast. There's what we would call an absolute fast, which means this, no food, only water. And Jesus Jesus embraced an absolute fast. We know Moses embraced an absolute fast. And then there's what, what's become known as a Daniel fast, named after the prophet Daniel, who for 21 days had no meats, no breads, no sweets, fruits and vegetables. It's a Daniel's fast. And then there's what we would call a partial fast, in that you can say, well, I'm going to fast a meal a day for 21 days, or two meals a day for 21 days. Um... Again, it's not my place to tell you how to fast, because I'm not the spiritual dictator here, but it is my place to challenge you that fasting is a healthy spiritual discipline that will will train you in godliness. opening a way for the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life. What I've discovered just in my own personal experience is that the how of the fast is not as important as the why. I said motive really matters. So so what's the why? What's the why of you embracing the discipline of fasting? And as we humble ourselves, as I've said, and as we partner fasting with prayer, what, what, what happens is breakthrough. I mean... You can check this out in Scripture, and I don't have time this morning to go deep into this, but I would encourage you to do a study on fasting. Just read every every story you find in the Bible about fasting. Just read that story, and you'll be amazed at how God works as individuals humble themselves as they embrace this discipline of fasting. It brings what? Breakthrough. Breakthrough in your life. Breakthrough to deeper relationship with God through surrender. Breakthrough to finding God's help in time of crisis. I mean, we have the story of Esther who declared a fast and and the Jewish people were saved. We have Daniel who declared a fast. He and his his four friends were rescued from death. We have Ezra who declared a fast. King Jehoshaphat. There's help in time of crisis. Not only that, there's breakthrough to clarity of direction. When? When we fast. It's almost like... Either God's speaking louder or we're hearing better. Maybe both. But when we fast. I know for my wife and I, in our married life, we've never made, we've never processed a major decision without prayer and fasting. Because this is what I know. My understanding is so limited and so is yours. We know a little bit about what happened yesterday. We're living in today and we have no idea what tomorrow holds. Are you with me? is that true? So if you're making a major decision, how many of you would like some insight into what you should do in relation to that major decision? Man, I'm all for that. But through prayer and fasting, throughout Scripture, individuals had breakthrough to clarity of, uh, uh, of direction as to the decision. Hey, folks, what I would want you to know this morning is that the spiritual discipline... Uh, Uh, Of fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way the discipline of fasting releases the anointing the favor the blessing of god in the life of of christ followers who are willing to seek god so we have this one in this dynamic duo of prayer and fasting when we implement these two disciplines what happens in our lives well it opens our lives for god's transforming grace it it positions us for it positions us to experience God's power, his supernatural power in our lives. It trains us to be godly, opening our lives to both value in this life and the life to come. But one of the things I've come to discover is that the disciplines only work if I put them to work. Now, James 122 says this don't just be hearers of the word but B, can you finish it for me? Doers of the Word. Don't just be hearers of the Word, but D, do, in other words, we need to put to work that which we know. Now, let me leave you this morning with a word picture that I think maybe some of you will really be able to connect with. At some point in your life, you made a decision. You said, hey, we got to get into shape. I'm tired of being out of shape. Been out of shape too long. I'm going to get into shape. So you went somewhere to some store and you bought an elliptical trainer or a treadmill and you brought it to your home because you were going to get into shape. And today, that piece of equipment is like a clothes rack. It's not what it was created for. The piece of equipment was created what? To help you get into shape, but as long as you're just hanging clothes on it and not using it, how many of you know it doesn't work? It's kind of the same way with the spiritual disciplines. It's not enough just for us to know about them. Some of you have been in church so long, it's like you know all about prayer. You know all about fasting. But it's like that piece of equipment that's been sitting in the bonus room upstairs And it's got dust all over it because it hadn't been used. Nothing wrong with the equipment. Nothing wrong with with having the equipment. But again, just having it doesn't help you. So it is with the spiritual disciplines. We've got to be willing to to put them to work so that we can experience that of of the refining work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we're training ourselves to be godly. Amen? Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for your goodness, your blessing, your provision for us. God, I thank you that, that you've given us these means or these tools that we can put to work in our lives that opens our lives in a greater way to your work. You know, that's what I've come to discover is, Lord, these disciplines are means of your transforming grace. That's kind of like that piece of exercise equipment that we have. Lord, as we put it to work, what it helps it helps us get into shape. Lord, it's the same with the disciplines. And Lord, my prayer this morning for myself for all of my friends, Lord, not just that we would hear the word, but Lord, would you help us do the word? Lord, may our lives be marked by prayer. May not be. May prayer not just be something that we do like on Sunday alone, but Lord, may our lives be marked by prayer. And Lord, thinking of this discipline of fasting, partnering with prayer, Lord, I pray that individuals today, would, Lord, that they would be Lord, open to embrace, God, what You've provided as a means, God, for You to work in our lives in a greater way. Again, Holy Spirit, we don't want to just hear the Word. We want to do the Word. We're going to train ourselves to be godly. Lord, for as Your Word says, it has value both in this life and the life to come. Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts this morning about Lord, how we need to apply this message today. As we open our lives to You in a greater way in this coming year. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.